Good evening, everyone. My name is Stephanie Klimov, and I'm here tonight on this episode of Standard Definition uh, with the boss man himself, Corey Dierig. Hello, I'm here. I'm not hosting. Yay. Yes. Pressure's all on me. And fabulous Mark Pereira to provide his insight on all things entertainment. Hello. And tonight we will be talking about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the 1937 film, the first ever Disney classic animation. Uh, But before we go into that, just a little bit of housekeeping. I like to get that out of the way. This is Standard Definition, the retro and nostalgia podcast here on the Bus Rush Network, where each and every, I guess, Sunday, depending on when this airs, week or whenever we come together we with our friends uh, around the internet talk about games movies shows and other topics that make us nostalgic such as disney you can support us and get the show two weeks early by heading over to patreon patreon.com slash boss rush network or subscribe on free feeds if you listen on apple Podcasts or spotify please leave us a five-star review pretty please you can also catch all our content on YouTube and bossrush.net. Also, very important and something I'm excited about personally is that our merch store is now open. Click the store tab on our website to buy a variety of items with our show logos on them, which does include, hopefully soon, by the time this releases, Standard Definition, After Dark, Boss Rush Podcast, and much, much more. How'd I do, Corey? Great job. You got it right out of the way. Something hey. are, something I'm terrible at doing. I totally did not read that off of a document. No totally way, did not. It didn't sound like you read it at all. Not one Impromptu. word of it. Absolutely. So as I, excuse me, uh, alluded to earlier, standard definition, we review games, movies, anything that hits that nostalgia button. And, you know, we've done Ghostbusters. We are starting our journey through the MCU universe, which is awesome. But we are also starting a thread with Disney. And, um, you know, Disney currently is a huge umbrella, right? They own Pixar. They own Marvel, actually. They own uh, Lucasfilm, all the Star Wars stuff. But we're going to tackle just the what is considered the classically animated Disney films. And we will be taking them on in release order. So that means no Pixar at this time, we might do, uh, you know, our own separate um, round with Pixar film later, and none of the, you know, less CGI stuff and more on what's classically drawn. And I must have forgotten. I was surprised that the first movie w- came out in 1937. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. movie's old. It's old. It's wicked old. It's almost a hundred years old. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say, I was like, hey, we'll be alive to see its 100th anniversary. I'm sure they'll do something nice for it. For sure. I'm sure there'll be like a a 100th anniversary 8K Blu-ray release of it or something. It'll come back to theaters and it will, I mean, they're going to do a whole big thing. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be cool if it came back to theaters. That'd be. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Gosh, that'd be, that's like the first, like what the first like real movie that was going to be like this old. Right. I mean like, yeah, there were movies before this, but like nothing as important as this. Right. Really? 
yeah. I mean, when I would go to the theaters um, a lot more frequently before the pandemic, you know, there's your main movies. And then you'd be like, oh, Casablanca or any of like the really, really old movies are going to be playing on the silver screen. I'm like, oh, that's before my time. Soon you're right. It's going to be stuff like, oh, we're replaying Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I'll be maybe there in the theater by myself with like maybe six other people my age. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just looked it up, and Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane, those are all in the 40s. Oh, what's that? No, but but what I'm saying is, is this is even before then. Like, this is before you think of, like, great cinema, and you think of old great cinema, and this Mm. precedes even that, which is nuts. That's so, gosh. Like, and even, like... So as someone who grew up a huge, like in a Disney house, like people used to like make fun of us because of how into Disney we were. And like, we'd go to like Disney, Disney world was like our family vacation, like a couple times a year. And my mom worked for Disney and we just like, Disney was like our whole life <laughs> for so long. And this, these movies like not just Snow White, but this entire run of movies that we're about to do is just like was so important to not just my childhood, but like my parents' childhood. Like you think of it, and like <laughs> this movie was like twenty five years old when my parents were born. <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh my gosh, this this whole slate of movies is just so important. Um, to yeah, well, probably till you get to like the seventies, I would say, but like. Everything up to then is like everything was so important, right? Like the way that it was animated and the freehand animation and the cells and painting the cells and the six layer camera. And yes, it it was just like these movies, the way they were animated, how they were animated, the, the meticulous effort by, you know, the nine old men and Walt Disney, like, you know, like there, it was just. Man, that story behind Snow White, too. So Oh, crazy. yeah. Actually, I'm not sure if that might be something um, I can dive into a bit before we discuss maybe the Disney version itself. So <clears throat> I'm sure most people know that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs um, was inspired by the Grimm's fairy tales, which I believe is German uh, folklore. Uh, back in the 19th century. So um, not an original idea, but that's something that Disney does tend to do is take some old uh, fairy tale that tended to be very grim for the most part and turn it into more child-friendly, (laughs) family-friendly content. But one thing that I thought was very interesting that the Brothers Grimm story of Snow White actually was based off of a real-life event. So... Even Brothers Grimm based it off of something. So looking it up, there was a countess named Marguerite von Waldeck. And she had a uh, lover named Philip II from Spain. And I don't have a lot of detail on it, but we know that Marguerite was poisoned. Okay. And she had a terrible relationship with a stepmother. So who would have thought? Wow. And where she grew up, so she grew up in a place called Will Dungeon. I'm pretty sure I butchered that. There were a lot of copper mines there. Nailed it. Nice. (laughs) I'm here all week. Um, And children would work in these copper mines. And because of the poverty and poor working conditions, their growth was stunted. So they weren't really dwarfs. But I guess maybe that's where they kind of got this idea. Like, hey, 
little people, I guess. <coughs> so, have you guys been familiar with um, the Grimm's stories and before you saw this movie or after? I mean, I knew a little lot of the, at least a lot of the kind of original Disney uh, films were based off of Grimm's fairy tales and that they always wore, were pretty much with the exception of this one and maybe Snow White, they were always like a little bit more Disney-fied than the story. Mm-hmm. The Grimm's stories were a little, were a lot more um, tragic and intense and just a little bit darker. Because uh, like even the Little Mermaid comes from, I believe, a, a Grimm's fairy tale. Um, so they kind of um, made it a little bit more Disney friendly. But but this one, I mean, I think as far I don't know, I didn't look up the fairy tale, but as far as I can remember, it's pretty true to the fairy tale. They they stay pretty true to it, right? I believe I think this is probably one of the more closer iterations, right? Um, but uh, real quick, The Little Mermaid. I-, I thought it was Grimm, but it's actually Hans Christian Andersen. The oh, only reason why right. that you're stuck right. up in my head is because I had to look that up for a retelling for my writer's group. And I had to read it, and that was... We'll, we'll get to that when we get to Little Mermaid. Yeah. But <laughs> I can't wait for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Super depressing. So, um, no. I saw Snow White. I can't tell you when I saw it. But I was a little kid. So, I don't know, like around my son's age like six seven like did you guys see it in childhood or later in life or yeah it was pretty it was pretty early i don't remember like it was so early i just don't remember when because it was like my we had those big puffy vhs tapes like the, the puffy cases and like we literally had just like a rack full of all the disney movies and then we would just you know pick one watch it we were done you know rewind it take it out put it back Pull out I remember one. that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, kids, we used to have to rewind our movies. <laughs> Jerks. Um, I, I don't think I've, I, I, watching it this time, I don't <sighs> think I've ever seen Snow White and the Seven Dwarves all the way through. I think it's really in like the, it's in, it's one of those movies that's like in my subconscious. Like I know everything about it and I, I know like all the scenes or whatever, but I think that I've seen like, you know, the middle at one point, and then I've seen the end at another point, the beginning. I've never seen it the whole way through for the first time. So this was really my first time really watching it the whole way through, um, which was interesting to do after. I mean, I know everything about this movie, and I was surprised by some of the things that I saw because I guess I didn't know everything about it. Huh. So you did uh, rewatch it recently to prep for this because I totally yeah. did. I watched it with my son the other day. <laughs> I, you know, I was watching it by myself, and then I was like, you know, I could be watching this with my kids. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think that it's a little too scary. For, I mean, I have I have four and a half year old twins and an eighteen month old daughter, so I think it's a little bit too intense for them. Um, so yeah. I just I watched it by myself, like a, like a normal thirty five year old man. I yeah, we're not watching the white. It's fine by myself. It's fine. Yeah, this movie's totally like really mm-hmm. scary like i i was like man i don't i don't remember this movie being that scary like at all it's totally scary like when she's running through the woods like when she runs away and then like when the witch comes and like she's chasing him through the woods and it's lightning and the lightning is scary her laugh is scary like her like the the tree like getting struck by lightning and the fire and stuff is all scary like it's all scary it's so scary 
Yeah, yeah it is. I mean like when Snow White was running through those woods that you mentioned, they had like the branches turn into hands and mm-hmm. the hand drawn faces. I'm like, dang, like I was kind of concerned if my six year old was going to get a little, be a little scared. And even though it's not really like blood and guts and anything, but when the witch was on her way out, I mean, I guess we'll get to plot later, but she passes by a skeleton that's in a cell reaching yeah. for a, a, a thing of water. She goes, oh, thirsty, and she kicks it. And I'm like, dang, there's a dead body down there. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, it's so good, yeah. though. It's so... And what's crazy is that they, they cut out a lot of things. I mean, part, the, the big part, I think, of what made Snow White such a success was Walt's ability to cut things out if they weren't in service of the story. Or if they were dragging things on for too long, and so that that sequence of Snow White running through the woods was actually much longer. Um, and he was like, you know, at some point, some iteration of the film, he was like, okay, we get it. She's running through the woods, and it's scary. So they cut it down to be a lot shorter than what to be what it currently is. Um, but I can't imagine like that lasting for much longer. It was already so intense as it was. Yeah. Really, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was notorious for throwing away like entire scenes that they had already worked like six months on. Yeah, there's like there's a whole song uh, about making soup or like something about mm-hmm. soup that they had they had animated, they'd recorded, um, they didn't colorize it, but they had like everything ready to go, like fully animated, and it's, it's on in the extras of the of the or it's on like YouTube and stuff. But it's on Disney um, Plus too in the extras. I think. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, because that's where I um, watched it. Yeah, but it's like it's it's like basically seventy five percent done. Like they just need to go in and add the color, which is not easy. I'm not saying that that's all they had to do left, but what I'm saying is, is he was notorious for like, you know, he he really wanted, and I think what made Snow White so different. I mean, it was the first cartoon, right? The first um, feature length cartoon. Um, but what made it so unique and made it uh, last for so long was that he really tried to to make sure that every single moment, every single story beat, every single, you know, comedic gag was in service of the story or the character. And so if it wasn't furthering the plot or if it wasn't telling you something new about the characters that were on screen, he was like, it, it didn't matter how great the song was, how many laughs it got, how funny, whatever, it was out because he wanted everything to move the story story forward, um, which is why it's such a such a tight film for the most part. Mm-hmm. There's some parts that I felt could have been tightened up a little bit more, but who am I? <laughs> but um, Are you Walt Disney? But yeah, so... so think, <laughs> you yeah, question yes. the great Walt Disney? <laughs> am I going to get struck by lightning now? Um, so yeah, so um, I just thought that that was interesting. I, I lost the train, my train of thought there, but yep. I love those little tidbits, and I, I always looked up to Walt Disney <clears throat> because you know I, because like I consider myself quote unquote a storyteller with the books that I write. Definitely not to the caliber of Walt Disney, but I just there's something about him I admire, and the way I don't know, I just there's just something about him. He's very charismatic, and he just knows what he's doing. Um, I mean, if we were to look at the numbers real quick. Looks like international earnings of Snow White was uh, more than eight million during its initial release, compared to a 1.5 million budget. Ooh. And just think, 1.5 million—if you adjust it for inflation nowadays—that's got to be a ton of money. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I like he like spent everything he had and more on this movie. Like Yeah, he, he almost went bankrupt. He almost bankrupt the entire studio. Yeah. Just to make I mean, he practically did and his brother like his brother was the financial guy of the studio and he like really 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 crammed some numbers to get that movie made and it I, it's a miracle that that movie got made at all there's this really great um documentary that was released when that came out on dvd one time that they released it from the vault i don't remember which time but it's available on youtube it might even be on on disney plus as a as a extra features but um they they talked about how they had completely run out of money they had no money left and it was like the family fortune was put on this film Mm -hmm. and so they went to go see this one banker and they showed the banker what they had and the that one banker was like this is gonna be a hit and so i'm gonna like despite everything and everyone else telling me not to fund give you the rest of this money i'm gonna give you the rest of this money and so he it was that meeting was either the end of Walt Disney as we know it, or would have kept the film alive. And, and luckily, the the banker was like, you know, I think this is going to be something really special. Um, and so he he gave them what they needed to finish the film. So crazy! Wow. Yeah. See, kids, you got to take that risk. Yeah, that's right. Wow, I can't. Can you guys imagine a life without Disney? Because without Snow White launching all of this, you wouldn't have the theme park attractions. Like you wouldn't have Broadway musicals and all that stuff, like, based off of all that. I mean, which, by the way, like, if you think Snow White uh, was the first Disney movie and there there was a princess in a castle, if you take into account the prince's castle, I guess there are two castles. I wonder why in Disneyland it's Cinderella's castle, not Snow White's castle. Uh, Actually, Disneyland is Sleeping Beauty's castle. Whoops! And it, <laughs> it's because it's because it was Walt Disney's Walt Disney's daughter's favorite movie was that they that he did up to that point was uh, Sleeping Beauty and her favorite character is Aurora Briar Rose from that movie. No but also, I mean, I think you answered the question in your question. Snow White didn't really have a castle, mm-hmm. and so, but but Cinderella did. She was, I mean, I guess she kind of technically didn't, but I I, I think. Mm-hmm. She didn't really have her own castle, so there's a little bit more of an iconic place for those other characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool though, because like the castle, it's kind of it's kind of weird though, because like the castles don't look like anything like they do in the movies though, which is right, right. hilarious. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a different conversation <laughs> for another day. <laughs> All right, I think we should, um, and I'm just going to kind of follow what we did when we did uh, Ghostbusters is dive into characters, how we felt um, if they were fleshed out um, and how they played out in, you know, in the movie. And we'll just start with um, Snow White herself, um, your impressions. This is our first ever Disney princess. So it's fair. She's the leader. She's mm-hmm. the princess of all princesses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I mean, to be fair, I feel like she was a lot more than... I, it's weird looking... You have to kind of look at how she was built when she was created, right, for this film. Not f- in the eyes of a, someone watching it in 2022, right? Like, I mean, she was... Pre- I think she was pretty one note, aside from, like, a couple 
things, right? Like, she was clearly, like, the caretaker, the mom, you know, the, right. you know, washing the dishes, making the beds, doing all these things, right? And, like, that was pretty stereotypical of the time, you know? And uh, I don't know. I think, like, running away was pretty brave, I guess, would be one part where, like, that kind of sticks out. But, like, at the end of the day, I still feel like that that's pretty stereotypical of, like the the characters are all kind of pretty stereotypical and kind of one note, um, mm-hmm. and she kind of doesn't really break the mold, I guess. Yeah, I think I think there's nuggets there though of what Disney would then become known for in future movies, which is you know having the the particularly in in modern Disney movies having the heroine be the driver of her own story and though snow white is not the driver of her own story there are some things that seem a little out of place for the 1930s like her running away even though it was suggested by someone else she ran away and then she was the one who kind of forced herself into the dwarf's house and was like i'm gonna live here with you and i'm gonna take care of you and you need even though it was very stereotypical roles she was the one kind of driving the bus on that mm-hmm. um and it was it was cool. I agree with you a hundred percent. It's it, you have to look at this. You kind of have to remove your 2022 mind from this film in some places in surprisingly few though, which I think is why this movie is such a timeless movie in that. I mean, there's a couple of things that grumpy says that are, that are, you know, kind of sexist and, you know, <laughs> he's like, what I tell you women, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that wouldn't necessarily fly today. But he wasn't like, you know, make me a sandwich woman. Like he wasn't, it wasn't like that. And so there was, there was, there's a little bit of, of some, you know, a a product of its time humor that Mm -hmm. was a part of that and of the story. But there really, it's crazy to see that nugget of like independence and empowerment and particularly female empowerment um even though i don't think this is like a feminist icon right because mm-hmm. she really is a a, a a plot device of a bunch of men around her right but yeah uh, it, was, it was interesting to see those little nuggets there yeah yeah just real quick on grumpy we'll get to the dwarfs later but <laughs> i wrote down quote females they're full of wicked wiles um but but Again, like I'm, I'm not excusing like kind of the cr- cringy-ish remarks, but at the same time, I actually kind of appreciated it in a sense when I rewatched it because it made him turning turning around and growing and developing the relationship with Snow White in the end yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit more rewarding for me. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. back to Snow White now for me, um, I know a lot of my old uber feminist friends from high school will be like, you know. We, we, we don't like these old Disney movies because they're, you know, t- telling us women to only wait for your prince to come rescue you. They're bad role models. Uh, <clears throat> so hold on one second. She's, let's 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 see what she's saying. Let's let's <laughs> let's pretend she's saying something important. Uh, but no, to that point, I, I I'm so sorry. No, it's it's fine. You're We're, totally fine. Yeah, we were just trying to um, guess I, what you were saying. Oh, okay. Maybe, all right, maybe take a guess. And nah. by the way, my son was <laughs> no, no, no. asking the question. <laughs> no, fin- finish your thought. Yeah, finish your oh. thought. Oh, 
so they're just very against that and and to be honest with you sure like I kind of always like, well, someday I'll meet Prince Charming, but never in a serious way. Like, I don't think watching a movie like that made me a completely helpless woman. Look at me. I'm yeah. I'm a breadwinner in my family. I blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I think that there's more to the movie Snow White than just a princess wishing for the prince to sweep her off her feet. Because she still did. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the story actually has focuses around friendship. A lot of the story focuses around Snow White and spending time with the the dwarfs and the dwarfs later on, you know, do everything they can to get to her in time when the witch arrives. Even when they thought she passed away, they built her this beautiful coffin and they're always there. So I'm like, well, you know what? And, And there's like certain scenes where they're dancing and having fun together. They're learning from each other even though in cliche ways, I'm like, you know what? I feel like a lot of this story is actually more about friendship than romance. Cause it's like Mm -hmm. the prince is in the first two minutes and then he shows up in the last minute. That's literally all the time the prince gets. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of these movies though. With the prince, like Prince Charming just doesn't show up ever. He's just like the guy to, to win the girl, you know, he's kind of, kind of sucks actually (laughs) in a lot of these movies. in that documentary it was saying that they found it really difficult to animate men. And so mm-hmm. Prince Charming in the original like script and story was supposed to have a huge role. And for some reason they found it really difficult to animate him and to draw him. And so they really drastically cut down mm-hmm. his part. And I think a lot of that holds true. I think part of it is they were trying to replicate the same success of Snow White. And so that's why the man wasn't as, as involved in, other movies but i think part of that came from a technical thing um but but to your point stephanie i i think that i think that it's easy to at face value this is just coming from a man so take that for what it's worth like i know i'm not a woman so i know that i can't say things from a female perspective right so so take that with a grain of salt but what i think when it comes particularly to disney films and I think we'll get to it, especially as we get to like the Little Mermaid. I think that's the one that is talked about a lot as being like, mm-hmm. you know, give up your voice so you can get your man and whatever. And I think on paper, yes, that's what the story's about. But I think when you actually look at the movie, each of the films, it's really not about that at all. Just like you said, Corey, this is not about the prince. This is a, the bulk of the movie is Snow White in the dwarf's house and her interactions with him. And so this isn't a, a romance film. This is just like you said, Stephanie, this is, a, this is a film about friendship and how you can learn from each other. And so, and again, you have to look at movies as a product of their time. So yes, it was very stereotypical ways, like you said, that they're learning from each other. But I think she has a lot of agency within the confines of the time and the story. And she, you know, she really isn't just some passive, submissive person. She really, you know, you're not having any dinner until you wash your hands, get out of the house right now. I mean, she really takes charge Mm -hmm. in various stereotypical ways. But again, that's a product of the time that it came in. And so I, I think it's really easy to look at these early films and think, well, this is no frozen. This is no, you know, jumping on the back of a horse and going to save your sister. And no, it's not because it wasn't made in 20, 2009. It was made in 1937. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've evolved a lot since then. Um, so I just, I just think it's interesting that 
my biggest surprise from this movie was how not um, archaic it felt. It, it didn't feel as antiquated as I thought it was going to feel. It, it yeah. felt mm-hmm. the story, given some caveats, it, it felt pretty modern within the story it was trying to tell. That, that was my biggest surprise. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like, you know, I, I really feel like this movie was ahead of its time in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, like you said, Mark, like, I don't want to talk in circles anymore, really, but, like, I just, I agree with you. I think this film was ahead of its time in a couple ways, like, and the fact that friendship prevails and, you know, the the love you have for your friends and you'll do whatever you, you know, whatever the cost, you know, pretty much is, like, it shines through in this movie, and I, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. Before I move away from Snow White, I have one last comment. And there's only one thing that irked me, at least in the beginning when I rewatched it. Because, again, it's been so long. Her voice is so (laughs) high-pitched. Yeah. Yeah. It really grated on a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it, it bothers. I think because I've heard it so much over the years that, like, I went from being really annoyed to just, like, almost tuning it out in a sense every time this movie was on to the point where like when I rewatched it, I had to pay attention. Right. And then, and then it like, it was just like, Oh my gosh, you know? And, and, uh, because like that old ride at Disney world, like it's gone now, but like she's talking like half the time through that ride too. And it's just like, Oh my gosh. It's like, I, I get it. (laughs) I, I, I don't know. I, I continue. Sorry, I'm done. Okay. Now. <laughs> it's all right. Well, speaking of ranting, I think we could skip over the prince uh, other, and we can just agree that he kind of sucks. Yeah, he sucks. I mean, he's a bad character. I mean, he, well, to go back to go back to what Mark said earlier about hard to animate men, that's why you see a lot of male characters in Disney movies reuse the same animations, right? The really mm-hmm. famous the really famous one is of Mowgli climbing a tree and jumping down and walking across a river. But 20 years later, they use that same animation in a Winnie the Pooh movie for Christopher Robin. It's the same exact animation. They just colored huh. it different. And, like, they did that so much throughout the years to, like, not only save time, but, like, some of these characters were so hard to animate that they had to make sure that they're like, oh, well, we can reuse this animation over here, you know, and instead of, like, long black hair, we'll give him short orange hair, and then he goes from Mowgli to Christopher Robin, right? I mean, it's just, that's... I, I don't understand why it was that hard. And that's why, like, even in something like Sleeping Beauty, the prince is actually there, right? Really, a lot of the movie. But, like, he's always riding a horse or he's always, like, hidden by a drape or a, the dress when they're dancing. Or, you know what I mean? Like, he's hidden a lot of the time, so they didn't have to animate him as much. And it, it just became this thing in Disney culture uh-huh. and history, you know? So... I need to do research why men were much more difficult to animate. What's interesting is that I've, I heard recently, as recently as Frozen 2, a big problem, or Frozen 1, sorry, was the animators were saying a big challenge for that movie was animating women and was having distinct looking female characters. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting how that's changed 
when at the beginning of Disney Disney's you know films, it was mm. men that they found hard to animate, and now they're saying women are hard to animate. And so I just oh, I don't wow. know why I'm not an animator, but I just I found that interesting. Well, I think I think Frozen, what not to get too off topic. Sorry, everybody. Uh, like the deal with Frozen was like nobody really noticed until frozen because every other movie only had one lead female character. Right. I, yeah. I think you're right. And then like the side characters so were like, to compare, right. We're, we're like the oversized comedic effect lady who, right. you know, bakes or whatever. Right. Like they weren't, you know, they didn't look similar. And so when you get to frozen right. and you have two main characters that are women, it's like, Oh crap. We've never encountered this before. How do we do this? That's an excellent point. <clears throat> nice. Right. Um, I don't have much to say about him, but how about the Huntsman? He was very, very, very brief in there. Um, he was ordered to murder Snow White and bring back her heart to the queen in a box. Hmm. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he. It was nice to see someone be like so protective, like because it didn't really seem like she had any sort of like father figure or family, really except for the the queen, right? And so, right. you know, he was kind of the protector, but then he also worked for the queen. And to see him to risk thing, like risk his life or whatever to save her instead of taking, you know, following orders was, you know, not that it's like okay to kill anybody at, at any point, but like it was a nice gesture of like, hey, run away, just never come back type thing. Right. Yeah. I think it was smart that he just put a random animal heart in there because back then, I mean, how could they tell between? Right. I don't know. I don't know how big or small they are, but who who wants to bet that after the huntsman delivered that heart, he just like booked it out of the kingdom and just oh, like sure. oh yeah left forever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Speaking of the queen, what are your thoughts of our first villain? This, this woman is vain. Yeah. Man, talk yeah, about I th- I th- Oh, go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say, I, I thought, I mean, honestly, I view the the queen and the, the old hag as two separate characters. I mean, their characterization, their personalities, their delivery, their everything is is completely different. They're, I, I feel like they're two completely different characters, which is, which is one of my complaints of the film. But, um, I mean, the, the queen herself is like, like really evil in that, um, you know, like um, in Harry Potter, like you've got Voldemort who's like, like evil incarnate. But I almost feel like if you're familiar with Harry Potter at all, Professor Umbridge is the more sinister of the two because she's real. She's not, mm-hmm. she's not cartoony. She's not, um, you know, not that Voldemort is cartoony, but she's just like that, that, we know someone who was like that. We had an educator who was like that, whereas we didn't know someone who killed a bunch of people to whatever, right? right? So I feel like the queen was like so realistic because she was so um, her her evilness was not over the top, was not cartoony, was not. I mean, the yeah. the hag was, but the queen herself was just very realistic and sinister in a way that's like you could meet someone like that in real life. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I mean, her motive, which was jealousy, right? I mean, that's a very normal, well, not to her level, but jealousy, you know, everybody gets jealous once in a while. So it's a relatable 
conflict. She just happens to take it to the nth degree. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's she's very uh, into herself. <laughs> I mean that that's that's all there is about it. Like she has some a magic mirror to tell her how beautiful she is, and then like you know like when when it doesn't happen, she gets angry. You know that's that's a shallow plot. I wonder point. where she. I wonder where she got that mirror. Because in the beginning, she actually called him a slave, which, like, right. I don't know right. why, but, like, that made my skin crawl. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feels weird. It's because that word is, like, very. Probably shouldn't ever say that word again right now in 2022. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm just quoting what she said in the movie, guys. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I really hope we're not doing Song of the South because that's going to get real ugly. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think that's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that movie! But good point, uh, Corey. Like technically, the the point for her it is all very shallow. Um, she just gets jealous. The mirror confirms her jealousy, and she decides, you know what? I'm just gonna have her killed so I can keep on being pretty. And then when that doesn't work, she decides to turn into an ugly old hag, which. Should we be under the impression that she could change back? So I'm like, you just made yourself uglier. Right. And the whole point of this movie <laughs> is that you didn't want to be ugly. <laughs> yeah. Although I do think that there's a really good lesson to be learned there. She was so I, – I could be totally looking into something because we don't know if she could turn back or not. But she was so um, fixated on this one thing that she completely removed herself from contention of being – the fairest in the land by making her the ugliest in the land because she was so dogged in her pursuit. And so <gasps> I feel like there's like a, a lesson to be learned there. I love that. That's perfect. That's true or not, but well, I do find that it sounds true. And that's going to be my accepted truth. So until Walt right. changes it, but he's not around. So yeah. <laughs> Right. My favorite set of characters, the seven dwarfs. We got. I thought you were going to say the Dopey. fuzzy animals. No. Oh, no. we'll get to that. Dopey, Doc, Happy, Bashful, Sneezy, and Sleepy. And I had it up, but fun fact that there were other names in the running, and these were the names that were considered. Nifty, Scrappy, Shifty. I really wish there was a Shifty. Snoopy. <laughs> Stubby, okay. <laughs> Busy, dumpy, gaspy, gloomy, and lazy. Stubby sounds a little. Weird. I don't know. I would want to know. What he... <laughs> uh, I feel like he's like missing a thumb or something. <laughs> like <laughs> mining for stuff, and he just like whiffed. Somebody whiffed and just took his thumb off. Oh, That's man. probably so. Mean, but... Can I? Can I just say that my favorite of the seven dwarfs is grumpy. And even though he said very cringy things, he's just, he's like, I don't know. I, I feel like I can relate to him nowadays in a sense that I'm just angry at the world. Not the sexist part, just the angry at the world part. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. And that, and you alluded to this earlier, but the, the storyline between Snow White and grumpy was a surprisingly emotional one. Like he, you know, he was the one who, who who didn't like Snow White at all, and she was trying. She decided she was trying to win him over, and it was it was. I really found myself really drawn to that story, and um, especially when he's really sad at the when he's crying over her dying, and it's like so out of character for him. But mm 
that's how much of an impact she had on his life. It really was a, a really kind of beautiful story that they told with these silly characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Grumpy is just, I mean, obviously he's, if you're in a list of, of how iconic each dwarf is in order, mm-hmm. right. I, Grumpy is up there with like dopey, you know what I mean? Like he, he's just, yeah. like, he, the first dwarf you think of usually is grumpy and dopey. And, and I don't know. I, I always think of grumpy because of, of Disney world and just like all the shirts down there. When you go to, when you go down there and you're in fantasy land and you go in one of the shops and like you're in the snow white section and all the dwarves like have their own stuff. And grumpy is just overpowering every other dwarf in the entire (laughs) store with like, Oh, it's Monday. I'm grumpy or whatever. It's just like all the grumpy meme shirts are there. And it's like, that's instantly what I think about. But when you watch this movie, Stephanie, I think what you alluded to earlier was like, he has the biggest character growth in this entire movie. And it's very fun to watch, you know, kind of, and that's, that's like really deep for some, a cartoon in the 1930s. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a big arc for a character in the thirties. Right. I mean, I, I could, I don't even know if any character for like another 20 years would have a bigger character arc, to be honest with you. Yeah. One, one of them that um, grew near and dear to me when I rewatched it was sleepy. Not only can I relate because I can relate to him because I'm always sleepy, but some of the scenes are actually really freaking hilarious. Like when the animals came to warn the seven dwarfs because the old hag was at the house. If you pay attention to the scene, because it's a very busy scene because there's birds and deer everywhere and seven dwarfs, like a lot's going on the scene. But in a mine cart, Sleepy's just sleeping through the entire chaos. And only at the end, he goes, oh, maybe the queen's come to get her. Yeah, yes. I laughed out loud at that because it was like, first of all, what? Like, how did you get that from that? Like, what a stretch. (laughs) But then two, literally, he was asleep the entire time. And then he was the one who was like, Move the plot forward. It was like, oh, here's what they're trying to tell us. That that made me laugh a lot. Yeah, Sleepy is uh, Sleepy's pretty. I mean, he's he's just hilarious. I don't know. It, it, every scene he's in, he kind of steals. He's not really in it that much, you know. To be honest with you, like, but every scene he's in, he just kind of steals the show because he, he's like, what was he? Was he falling asleep and like he swallowed the fly? Right. Mm-hmm. Or yep. Like it just kept going in his mouth and out. Like that's, that's a funny scene, you know? And I don't know, obviously like as we, as we all grow older, we find ourselves to be more tired all the time. Yep. And, uh, yep. That's pretty relatable. All right. Any other thoughts about any of our seven dwarfs here before, I think maybe we can start talking about just overall impressions of the movie and we can talk about specific scenes that we liked or didn't like. Yeah. I mean, before we move on from the dwarves, I think, I don't think we can skip dopey, right? I mean, dopey's just, Mm. you know, he's just the, the odd one out all the time, you know, and he's, he doesn't have a beard. His clothes are too big. He's tripping all the time. Uh, the dance scene in the kitchen is obviously one of the most iconic Disney scenes, right? Where he's standing on what Sneezy Sneezy's shoulders and he's right. dancing with her, and uh, they're all playing music. Like that's one of the most iconic Disney scenes of all time. 
and you don't really have that scene without Dopey. You know, it's just he's just fun. You know, and like when at the end when she gives him a kiss on the on the head and like he he gets you know he basically turns into <laughs> bashful at that point. Uh, right. It's just he's just a. He, I mean, he's clearly there to be like the comedic r- relief at some point. They never really fully utilize that option, but uh, I don't know. I think I think Dopey's a, a charming character. Yeah, very lovable. I actually was curious as to why he didn't speak. I mean, well, they explain it, but I meant the real reason why Disney chose to have him be mute. And it looks like they uh, Disney at one point considered hired the uh, Warner Brothers voice actor that did Bugs Bunny. Um, but eventually, I don't know, either it was a rumor or it just didn't happen. And ultimately they did not, looks like they didn't land any voice actor for Dopey. So they literally rewrote him as a mute character because it was easier that way. It works though. I mean, like that's, that's part of the charm of the character, you know? I mean, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's just a charming part of the character because I I think it gives you more room to, to express him through animation, right? Instead True. of instead of you know oh I'm gonna tell you that I'm funny you know like he can you can have him trip like like I said like he trips a lot because his clothes are oversized and that's funny right like yeah, yeah I don't know in in that documentary they were talking specifically about Dopey and and they had this thing it was they either said it was like a do- a buck a gag or five bucks a gag or something like that where Disney would pay animators to, you know, anytime they came up with a funny gag, because they were trying to really put some humor in this, they would get paid five bucks. I think it was five bucks a gag. Anyway, um, and so one of them was one of the animators drew their uh, going outside the house to go wash up and Dopey is like a few steps behind and so he does this little hitch step where he like kind of skips mm-hmm. for a second to catch up. And Disney was like, "That's I love that. That's brilliant. That's his thing. Like that's part of his character now. He needs to have this little hitched up in every single move that he, in every single time he walks." And so then, you know, they were saying that a lot of the animators were pissed off at this guy because they were like, "I've had my scenes approved for months, and so now I have to go back and animate this little hitch step in." But then it really did become part of that character, and and I think that really out of all of the things in this movie obviously this movie was a showcase for what disney could do but i think specifically the dwarves themselves were a case study in what animation could do in terms of character and storytelling and 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 um just this new medium that they were creating i mean obviously animation and and cartoons existed before then but in feature films and so feature length films and so just looking at the dwarves themselves, I mean, there's so much heart, there's so much humor, there's so much characterization, there's so much, um, you know, there's like a goofy animation to it, but then there's also like, they follow the rules that are established within the story. Um, and there's a real physics to them, and there's a real, you know, mm-hmm. gravity to the way that they move. And so they're just, if you just watch them, it's like there's something really magical going on here and there's something that really obviously we know now will last forever in terms of animation and, and telling stories and stuff but but back then nothing like this had ever existed before and so people are falling in love with these characters who don't exist are not real more so than than actors in a movie literally their lines on a piece of paper and yet 
they're just so endearing and you find yourself i mean at the end i was tearing up when they were crying particularly when grumpy was crying at the end you know because mm-hmm. he's such a curmudgeon right and so um it's just there's such a, a an amazing um showcase of what is at the heart of disney um and, and why it's lasted for as long as it has yeah mark you're so inspiring i know <laughs> i feel like i should just like not talk anymore every time mark talks because he says it so eloquently and so perfectly i'm just right? like yeah mark no <laughs> yeah and i'm like this is cool or this is weird <laughs> And Mark just goes on his little, he could write a thesis on all this. I love it. I absolutely I love it. Gosh, Mark, I'm so glad you decided to do the, this show with us because it's just like you bring such a a magical d- discussion to the, the discussion. Like it's just, see, <laughs> see, like I already f- fudged it up. But I don't, well, thanks. I, I think, I'm, I'm passionate about uh, movies and I'm passionate about particularly Disney, even more so than I am you know, Marvel and, and superhero films. I, I love Disney films and I love what they bring and, and, and what they've done to culture as a whole. And so I, I could talk for mm-hmm. hours and hours on this. Yeah. Man, so glad we decided yeah. to do Disney animation. Yeah. Well, speaking of the said passion, I, maybe I'll go with you first, Mark. So what are some things, either it be scenes or just overall I don't know, thoughts uh, about Snow White that you really, really liked. Um, we'll talk about things we liked, and then we'll talk about things we didn't like. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Disney, uh, sorry, uh, Snow White is not my favorite of the Disney films. I, I think that Snow White's voice is grating. It's definitely a product of its time. The musical style is very, like, operatic. I don't love it. Um, but looking at Snow White from the perspective of what it did to the film industry and what it did to pop culture, I mean, this is a, a groundbreaking film. I mean, Corey, you mentioned the, the, the multi-pane camera that was invented for this movie. It was invented yeah. halfway through making this movie. And yeah. so they, they, they animated scenes that they went back and reanimated because this camera didn't exist at the beginning of production of this film. It's and crazy. So, it's crazy. Just to go back to the camera real quick, Mark, like it's on like the 4k releases of these movies. It's like, yeah. you can really see the depth, right? Cause like, yes, it's, cr- it's crazy. Cause like you go back and you, you look at the VHS uh, runs or a, th- a theatrical run even. And it's like, Oh yeah, you can like that's it's got good sense of depth or whatever, but like the the HD and the 4K versions of these movies really bring that depth out, you know, and like the even the way that the the front frames become out of focus as the camera zooms right. in on the last frame and it becomes more in focus. It's it's crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. And so that was created in this in the middle of making this film or things like, I mean, they wanted to get the colors so right that they had people who were creating the colors themselves, mixing the chemicals together themselves to create the right colors. And they had, you know, uh, they had women come in and put real makeup on the frames of Snow White to make her look more like a real woman. And so that her, what she's, which one of the, I'm looking at a picture of right now, which is why I keep looking over here, but like, if you look at her makeup, it looks like real makeup, and that's what mm-hmm. it is. It's it's act. They put lipstick on her. They put blush on her, uh-huh. um, and so just those that those thing those that attention to detail, that that 
paints. There, I think I read there's there were a million frames in this movie. Wow. I mean, hand drawn. There were no computers involved. Yeah. Um, um, you know, the, and they, they made the colors. I mean, everything was so meticulously um, created, crafted, loved. Uh, you know, just it was such a passion project, and it everything today from all of the Disney films to something that was as groundbreaking recently as Into the Spider-Verse, which has an amazing animated style, is due to this movie, which is just... So to answer your question, because I could talk about this forever, the the things that I loved the most were the all of the technical stuff, all of the things that made this movie come to be. Um, like I said, I was really surprised by the, the, the relationship between some of the dwarves and Snow White and how... Um, endearing and emotional and impactful those were um i was also so so i really loved that i was really surprised by how dark the movie was um and um i mean yeah those were those were my big like the, the things that i loved the most about the movie yeah to that point with how dark and how scary this movie was you gotta remember too in the 30s cartoons weren't made for children they were made to be the comedic relief before like their big war, you know, films or whatever they're about to watch. Right. Like this was the, the cart, like old style cartoons were made to go in front of movies. And so when Snow White was a big, when Snow White came out, it wasn't for children. It was for a mainstream kind of adult audience, you know, to see something they've never seen before, almost like a magic act, you know? And, and that's, that's still like, I mean, you think of Disney animation now and you just think it's like for kids or, you know, like the, the parents will get a good laugh out of like the one or two dirty jokes that are hidden in there. Right. But mm. like, but like Snow White was for the adults because nobody had ever seen something like this before, which is why I think it did so well. You know, people were curious, people were wanting to just see what Disney had been working on for five years, you know, and, and spending all of his money on and why it wasn't just Mickey Mouse running around on a boat anymore, you know, and it just, this movie, this movie is, it, and granted, it's not the best Disney movie, right? We've had tens upon almost hundreds of movies at this point that are, you know, probably marginally, if not way better than this movie, but the technology they built it almost reminds me it almost reminds me of George Lucas and Star Wars in a sense where like they built so much technology to mm-hmm. film this movie they were so meticulous in the world building and the designs and like you said Mark like using lipstick and blush instead of paint you know that's that's a that's a real artistic choice that mm-hmm. i don't know if you pick out you know 999,000 out of a million people would never make that choice. But Walt Disney did. And that should tell you everything you need to know about this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think to your point, what's, what's interesting is what I think a lot of, especially modern animated films try to do and fail, that, that concept of this isn't just for kids, it's for adults too. And I think a lot of studios think that means there needs to be a lot of wink, wink, innuendo over the kids' heads or, you know, humor or, um, 
pop culture references or things like that. And this didn't have much of that, if anything. And I think what makes it resonate with adults as much as it does with children is one, we have to remember there's nothing like this before. So I think that was, it was new and, and novel, but two, I think was that it was just so based in reality and so using makeup or, you know, um, having real intentions or real characteristics for these characters and having them abide by those same rules and that same logic. And, and so it didn't have to have, you know, it didn't have to have comments about what was going on in 1937 in the United States mm -hmm. at that time. It's just people respond to reality well. And I think a lot of studios and a lot of films fail to see that now um, and they think it's going to be, you know, gag after gag and joke after joke and loud, bright noises and all this. And it's just people want to see a little bit of heightened reality, which is which is what this is. And I think that that's what makes it so timeless and so um, well regarded even now, almost 100 years later. Thanks. With both of your deep perspectives on what's great about the movie... I'm just going to say, this is the movie that made me realize what I would want as a magic power. You know, people say, oh, if you were to have like a magic power, what would it be? And my answer would be like, I would love to communicate with animals and have them help me with whatever I need to get done. I love that. The fact that she could talk to the animals and they were so cute and they helped her clean this dirty house, which you have no idea how much I would pay to have animals just help me clean my house yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Squirrels and deer are really dirty, though. I don't know if I'd want them in my house. <laughs> We have raccoons in our house. You can have them. I'm sure they're cleaning nope. something. <laughs> no raccoons. Thanks. We'll exclude that. Um, other than that, you know, just overall, like, I, I love the way the story flowed. It had a good pace. Like I said, it was really tight um, for the most part, you know. And, you know, I, I forgot exactly how long the movie runs. I can, you know, look that up if people are interested. But I can definitely tell you that they're shorter than a lot of the current movies that are minimum two hours i think and it was only it was 83 minutes yeah like and i honestly feel like unless there's a real specific reason your movie needs to be two plus hours don't do it you could tell a very good story in 80 whatever minutes and snow white proved it um as far as villains like uh i correlate my top disney movies with quality of villains i i just yeah. find i really love villains and while jealousy is a very common human fault the queen just did not do it for me as a villain it just was shallow no pun intended um if anything i prefer the old hag persona of her because i'm like oh haha it's your old hag who made a poison apple yeah, but i don't know the queen that's yeah. who she was inside is the old yeah. ugly hag that's so. the story right there Mm-hmm. You ugly inside. Yeah. Now outside. I kind of dipped into what I didn't like about the movie. So um also it's not specific to this movie, and I know this is such a um like my a product of my generation, but I forgot that older movies put the credits in the beginning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was like sitting here, my son's looking at me, and the first thing that came out of his mouth is is this the end of the movie? Yeah, yeah. You forgot to rewind. <laughs> yeah, what do you guys... Uh, yeah, but it's, but it's, that's, so, that's such an important part, I think, of movies of that era is 
the the purpose of of putting the credits up at the front is because they're playing the overture so you're listening Mm. to musical themes that are going to be represented throughout the film Mm -hmm. so that your brain starts to get to speak the language of the film and a lot of that's missed these days and so I was just like your son. I was like, wait a minute. Did I start at the, I was very confused at first. And then I was like, Oh, right. This is the, the, they all started at the beginning back then. Um, And when I was a kid, I would fast forward through the beginning credits. And this time I watched them through and it really does. You know how, when you watch a movie with subtitles, it takes you about 10 or 15 minutes or whatever to stop reading and you are able, you're able to then like the subtitle. You don't notice them as much anymore. It was kind of like that, where it, it just tunes you into the musical language of the film, so that you can really start to understand what it is that the, the themes that they're trying to represent. So, I thought that was something uh, archaic that, I, that that we don't really do much anymore in film, but that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I- the, the other thing that I really like, too, is, like, a lot of these older movies open, literally open with the storybook opening, you know? Uh-huh. And I think I, I love that aspect of these movies. Like, this does it. I know Sleeping Beauty does it. Robin Hood does a, a version Robin of Hood, it. Robin Hood, yep. Mm-hmm. That, you know, God, the whistle from Robin Hood. So I can't wait till we get to Robin Hood. I love Robin Hood. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything I dislike that much about this movie except for the fact that like a lot of the themes and stuff are kind of they're archaic for 2022 but like at the t- uh, obviously at the time it was kind of that was what they wrote yeah. you know and uh i think the queen is it's weird that how iconic she is there's nothing really memorable about her except for like the ugly witch right like, like the only memorable scene you have of her is like her giving the apple to snow white, right? Like it's not like a Maleficent character where she makes this grand entrance right at the beginning. And she, you know, curses, uh, uh, Aurora. And then, you know, later she's kind of like leads her to the spinning wheel. And then later she turns into the dragon, right? Like there's not really any buildup really for the queen. And, and I get that this was their first movie and they probably were still trying to figure this stuff out and whatever, but like out of the grand pantheon of Disney villains, it's hard to, it's hard to see why she's so iconic, except for the fact that she was the first one. Right. Right. But I agree Uh, with that. Mark, I think you said a little while ago that there were certain parts that you feel like could have been tightened up. What are some of those scenes? I just think it dragged a little bit in the middle. Um, I was surprised. I, I, I mean, it's never a good thing when you look at how much is left in the film. And, and I did that a few times. Um, and there was something like 14 minutes left or something like that. And we were still with the dwarves and we hadn't oh. and like, they didn't know that the queen, the, the hag was there and Snow White hadn't bitten the apple. And I was like, man, we got to get through a lot of stuff before, credits or i guess credits aren't going to roll again but before the the film ends um yeah it definitely like they they were just oh sorry i was just gonna say that that last act that last act kind of felt a little rushed Mm. yeah it, it it i get what they were trying to do it really was a story about 
friendship and a story about Snow White and the dwarves. And so they spent most of, I think the majority of the film with those characters, but it, it just was, um, I don't know. It dragged a little bit in the middle for me. And then I think there was a version of the story. There must've been a version of the story out there where it really was a romance story. And obviously due to limitations in their ability and whatever, that storyline was cut back. And so the prince just coming in at the end was just (laughs) very random and seemed like it was part of a different film. Um, And it really robbed the story of, I think what the story truly was about, which was friendship. And it made it, about true love's kiss and whatever which is fine but that wasn't the story they were telling and so um those two things were really um some negatives for me um and then plus as a a father of young kids it just was really dark so i didn't want to watch it with my kids um and i just it was just a little bit not as family friendly as some other disney films typically are yeah um that's i think i mean not to keep beating a dead horse but i think that that was a lot of those early movies weren't as family friendly as you would like to remember you know uh just because this that that wasn't like they weren't catering to the children uh oh yeah like like, pinocchio yeah pinocchio is super dark they say they say ass in that movie (laughs) (laughs) i was like wow (laughs) (laughs) um to 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 get get to the end of it um this wasn't a complaint for me but i can definitely hear my you know feminist friends complaining about it even though i think the issue was more for sleeping beauty than with snow white but technically there's the same premise about the prince a prince kissing the princess without her consent um right how do you guys feel about that? Because honestly, as a woman, like, I mean, I get what the, I get why they think like that, but it's not like Walt Disney was like, yeah, let's have them plant one on her with, you know, like, it's just, you know, if I think about it, everyone thought Snow White was dead. So if anything, not that I would want to kiss a corpse that's been around for a year, like, I don't know why he wouldn't be grossed out by it, but it was clearly like a sign of respect well kind of for that time and a goodbye kiss like i don't think there's anything salacious in it but i only bring it up because it well discussions have happened before and people apparently have complained like celebrities say i won't show my kids these movies because the prince kisses the princess without asking her first which i eh. yeah but those those are the same parents that won't show their kids uh harry potter because magic is the devil so (laughs) Well, I, I think, I mean, it's difficult for me to say this from my platform as a man, <laughs> but I, I do think that, um, I think that there are movies that there are male characters who do things without consent, and that's part of the story. That's the crux of the story, and that's that's one thing. Like I said, for this, this isn't about that. It's not about the prince and Snow White. It's not about their romance. It's not. It's 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 a movie about friendship, and so it just was. First of all, it just kind of felt tacked on. One, uh-huh. and two, I, I don't know. I just I just don't think it was about that. I think it was. Um, I think you've got to look at the movie at being a product of its time. I think it was very innocent. Um, 
in in its delivery and it was very innocent in the purpose of it and it was very um it just was it wasn't like some steamy makeout session not saying that it's okay to just walk up to someone and give them a little peck on the mouth without their consent but but i just think things were a little bit different back then mm-hmm. right or wrong and i think it's a fairy tale and fairy tales have certain tropes and one of those tropes is true love's kiss and that you can meet a prince in one day sing a song with him and then get married and live happily ever after so yeah. if you're going to complain about the realism in that let's complain about the fact that you've got seven you know dwarfs hanging out without health insurance or let's complain <laughs> about the fact that there's magic, magic yes or the animals can understand so i mean if we're gonna pick apart the realism of an animated movie from 1937 about a fairy tale <laughs> let's try to be a little bit more aware of what we're doing and fight our battles for where they're more well deserved is, <laughs> is where i'm coming from but i'm a man who is the one who is depicted as doing the thing without consent so I don't know that I'm allowed to say that, but that's my that's where I come from. That's right. Mark, I give you permission as a woman. I, I give I you permission. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I, think, I think I think we're allowed to have uh, an opinion on this, right? Like, I I, I feel like I, I I mean I feel like it's probably wrong to go up and kiss a girl that you've never met before. That's like laying there, maybe dead, maybe not. I don't know, right? Like, I mean. That sounds pretty creepy to me as a man. You know, I I don't have a problem saying that from a male perspective. I think it's weird. Uh, I think people that do that are, are wrong. But also, like, like you said, Mark, if you look at it from the point of, like, the 1930s fairy tale and, like, the way that just people thought back then and how almost innocent the times were, too, right? And, like it was like everybody wanted their prince people were getting married after six months after meeting right like my my parents got engaged like eight months after they met they got married at 19 and 20 years old right i mean like that that's just the time you know and things change yeah i get it but in in this i feel like we keep beating this horse but like the movie was made in 1937 this is the way the world was in 1937 Every girl wanted the prince charming to take the, the whisk them away in a castle. You know, I, I, I feel that way. I, I mean, I know like not everyone was like that, but like the way the thirties were portrayed and really until like world war two, when women had to go to work because all the men went off to war, right? That's how the world was, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Any uh, last thoughts or comments about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs before we wrap this this up? I don't know. I feel like we got real deep there. Snow White <laughs> bringing out them deep, hard feelings, I guess. But yeah, I like dissecting, you know, movies that made a big impact. I think Snow White definitely created this big cultural shift mm-hmm. in more ways than one. Yeah, and and I can't I can't wait to like see the evolution of Disney animation in order, right? Like, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I've seen all these movies like tens of times, you know, some of them probably a hundred times, but like I've never gone through the chronological list of like, right. Next is Pinocchio. And then it's, then what it's like, uh, 
Sleeping Beauty, I think, is after that, maybe. I no, think that so. was what I was surprised by. There's like 10 movies between <laughs> Pinocchio and, and Sleeping Beauty. Oh, really? Like movies that we know. I just didn't realize there was that big of a gap between Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. But we've got... Yeah. Um, We've got Pinocchio, we've got Dumbo, we've got Bambi, um, yeah, oh, oh no. <laughs> um, so there there are a lot of movies that come between this and Sleeping Beauty. And there's yeah. twenty years between Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, I, I like I I in my back of my mind I know that, but also like Sleeping Beauty and Snow White are like so close together for some reason. Right. But they're not. Man. Right. Anyways. Um, which, you know, this kind of made me think, and I, I'll have to really, you know, take some notes and kind of think about, you know, cause this is our first Disney episode, but maybe at the end we should kind of have something fun, like, and do a definitive ranking of our favorite Disney movies. Well, I don't know, something like that. We'll see how far we come. Yeah. We're doing that for MCU. So we're ranking them as we go along. So obviously <gasps> Snow White would be number one right now because it's the only one we've seen or yeah. talked well, about. Uh, perfect. Yeah. All right. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Let's do it. We're ranking everything. We're just going to rank everything. Also, <laughs> in the Ste- world, Stephanie for Ghostbusters, we're going to do that too. Oh, awesome. Perfect. So. All right. Well, that was uh, this episode of Standard Definition. Uh, first classic Disney animated film, uh, Snow White. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. This was a really fun episode, and I'm, I'm looking forward to going through all those Disney movies. Um, I guess we'll say goodnight. Maybe I'll ask Corey to help me out a little bit if I f- forget to say anything as far as, you know, check us out on our website, bossrush.net. Please join our Discord community. I believe we usually have a, a link to our Discord on our episodes, right? Yeah, they're in yep, the show notes. Not. Oh, perfect. So uh, other than that, um, Corey, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HD. You can find me hosting the Boss Rush podcast every Wednesday night. And you can find me on Arsenal X, the Xbox podcast. Mark, you're up. Uh, yeah, you can find me um, also on Boss Rush, um, writing uh, movie reviews and game reviews and, and editorials and all that fun stuff. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter um, at except in Pereira. Excellent, thank you. And I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Klimov, K-L-I-M-O-V underscore author. Uh, I also write for Boss Rush, so check out everybody's awesome articles at bossrush.net. Also, I want to point out, um, you'll have to visualize it, everyone, that Mark is wearing one of our Boss Rush shirts. There you go. It's for the Boss Rush writing team. Yeah. So, um, you know, head to the head to the store on our website. Definitely check them out. We've got some great designs, so don't Do forget. It. And um, I think that's it. Corey, did I forget anything? Uh, No. I mean, Patreon, Yay! I guess. Patreon, I oh. guess. But I Patreon. forgot about it too. So, yeah. Well, we have a Patreon now. So we'll provide uh, a link in our show notes. Uh, please support us. Um, they are, it is not a paywall. It is uh, for uh, our Patreons to get uh, early access. And there are different tiers and different involvement. We want to focus on community, um, get feedback, read comments, and all that good stuff. You can find all of that on our Patreon page. So check it out, please. And good night, everybody.
Good night. Goodbye.